Welcome to season seven of the Making a Marketer podcast with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Gretemann Group and Xstand. This show is for all levels of experience, talking marketing, business, and branding with the brightest of minds as our guests. Lots of learning and laughing. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 142 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I'm Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing. As you know, if you've been listening, this show is made possible by Powers of Marketing. These days, we focus on strategic content creation, including podcast and event production, hosting, and emceeing. You've heard me say, if you haven't yet filled out our brief listener survey, we would love for you to do that. There's a link in the show notes and on our website, makingamarketerpodcast.com. So please let us know your feedback. Jen, it's a big weekend. For those who've been listening, you know, Jen and I are both big football fans. How are you today, Jen? Yeah, I'm trying not to think too much about it. I really am. I'm nervous. I really am nervous. (laughs) <laughs> Same. So I am a Niner season ticket holder. And even though I live in San Diego, I go to about half the regular season games. And Jen is a diehard Chiefs fan. When they played each other in the Super Bowl, we had a little <laughs> social media NFL team social media contest, which was fun. So we'll see if we both make it to the big game, if she and I will do that again. So oh, wouldn't that be fun? Fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if that stupid thing they say about the logo comes true or not. I, mean, I if tell that's you what. The thing. <laughs> purple and although everyone's saying purple and red, it looks like pink to me, but I digress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried not to focus on that this week, too. It made me mad. <laughs> okay. And so, for those who don't know, it's a championship weekend. The final two, it's kind of like the semifinals. The final two NFC teams um, are playing for their championship. The final two AFC teams are playing for their championship in order for the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Ooh. But <laughs> enough. Football talk for now. For now. <laughs> we for would now. love to welcome our guest. We're going to talk about creating effective short form video with John Lemer. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I mean, we can just talk about football. Oh, that's fine, too. <laughs> I mean, we probably could. I have a feeling we'll be talking about it again before too long. Our brain break may or may not have to do with sports. Sure, sure. And uh, it may or may not involve football. I do have a pretty good baseball memory, too, that I could throw out there, but we'll see. Let me read John's bio. John Limmer is a meta ads educator who started johnlimmer.com in 2011 and his private community, powerhittersclub.com, in 2014. John focuses on the most advanced meta advertising topics, helping his community look good and reach their goals along the way. John is an accidental marketer who started his business with hopes of creating the freedom he wanted to spend as much time with his wife and three sons as he could, dedicating countless hours as a baseball coach. Now retired, he is now taking short form video and AI head on as we head into this crazy phase of marketing. That is a fact. Crazy is right. I love it. Okay, Jen, let's get this going. Oh, yeah. Let's pop right into it. I'm really excited about today's topic. It's one of my favorite, as a content creator, one of my very favorite things to talk about and to get other people's insight on. So here we go. How do you define effective short form video content? And, you know, what are some key elements that When people go into, hey, what kind of content do I want to make? Do I want to make episodic? Do I want to be funny? What are some things that you think that they should consider first before they form a strategy? You know, I also look, the the main thing I don't want is for people to 
overthink this. Yeah, like, no joke. So like, oh, I have to have this well thought out strategy before I create videos because honestly, that I think that keeps a lot of people from creating. It kept me from creating. I was overwhelmed by it. I was intimidated by everything. Just having the right camera, the right lights, the right topic, delivery, the editing, everything, right? Yeah. So to start, I'd say just honestly, I wouldn't overthink it. You've got an idea, you've got a thought, turn on your camera, record that thought, publish it. In the early going, just eliminate all of those hurdles that become excuses for why you're not going to record because it's too hard or it's not going to be good enough or whatever, and publish something. And then with the goal of every time you're going to learn something from it and get better. I mean, in terms of overall strategy, I think, again, I think you'll figure that out. For me personally, I was coming from a place where I was always writing in the past. That's where I was comfortable. I did not want to do video, period. <laughs> did not want my face on there. Didn't like any video I did in the past would be like a screen share webinar or whatever, and you'd never see me. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what can I take from what I used to do or or do writing? I mean, when I write, it's usually all about tutorial, how to do something. And that becomes complicated with short form video too, because I'm also used to being very wordy and have <laughs> a very detailed tutorial of how to do something. So I was like, okay, well, I can... I can do it one minute short bits, right? And just how to do this very simple, basic thing or talk about this basic thing. And over time, you you know, you learn how to get better at it. You learn how to be more concise and yeah. learn some little tricks there. But for me, it was about teaching something, talking maybe a little bit about strategy. But uh, that's partially because that's my background is I like to teach and educate on how to do stuff. And oh, Yeah. That makes so it really depends on like your own strengths and what you want to do. It reminds me of kind of back in the day when we started live streaming things. I remember it used to be one of those things where we had to talk people into it. Like instead of overthinking it, we would say, you know, you just press the button and you get going with it and then start seeing what works for you. I, apparently it's just the same idea, different form of content. It's absolutely similar. I mean, really in any type of content period, it's really about creating and having a routine, creating consistently doing it for a long period of time, not having any immediate short-term expectations or goals. It's just realizing the first thing you create is probably going to be pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the expectation, just take the pain. Yeah. The expectation that the more you make and uh, the more volume you create in the early going, the quicker you'll get to improving and, and creating that high quality thing that you were hoping to create in the beginning but because you couldn't create that high quality thing, you're too intimidated to do it, right? So and it, so for me, really, it was like overcoming that fear too, because I created, when I first started, it was October, 2022, and I created 70 videos in that month. And wow. oh my goodness, it was, it was painful though. Like, <laughs> did I just not know what I was doing at all and like not have any direction with it? I'm not really sure what I was supposed to do because I didn't consume this content either. But just the process of recording, you know, planning, recording, editing, it was all like two hours per video. So I was spending most of my day every day doing these. But it was just that I was so committed to it and I didn't have any expectations about what kind of results I'm going to get. I just kept doing it and pushing through. So it's funny because Jen and I, I don't know if you saw, we both got this smile on our faces because you were kind of answering this. I was like, either you're going to fully answer the next question I am going <laughs> to ask or it's going to be an incredible segue. So I think it's a little bit of both. <laughs> we always say, yeah, like consistency is key. And we've had people on, who, you know, talked about like that exact thing. But it sounds like you, so 
batch recording, I guess, is is one thing too. But so like like you mentioned, everything that's marketing related, we think is needs to have consistency. That's that's key to getting results. So do you have any helpful pointers that maybe will help our friends out there? Not just consistency, but also you know relevance to the topics at hand to stay above the noise or you know not kind of to stand out, I guess, in in a way. But I don't know. What do yeah. you think? Well. First of all, consistency, absolutely. Like what you yeah. you two have done with the podcast, how many people quit, you know, after right. 5, 10, 20, 50, whatever. So that's really hard to do. And most people do quit. I think that's one of the things that kept me going is that knowledge that part of the battle is just not quitting because everybody else quits. It seems yeah. like 99% of the people quit. And part of the reason I had belief in this with short form video is because I had already done it with blogging where I wrote 600 blog posts in two years. and that did it, right? Wow. I mean, that, that, that's how I was able to build my brand relatively quickly. And I wrote a lot of stuff that nobody read, right? Yeah. But it was like, it was that repetition, that routine. And I think people undervalue what that does just for yourself personally to make you better beyond just creating more content for to give you more opportunities to reach people and have something that catches on or whatever, you know? It's that learning that's so important. So yeah, with video, I committed to recording at least, or publishing at least one video every day of 2023. And I I was able to do that, which again was crazy considering I had never done any short form video prior to October or September or whatever, 2022. Sorry, can I ask what length they were? One minute. So it didn't start this way in the beginning. Again, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I wanted something because I I started just on TikTok. And eventually I was like, I'll publish this on Instagram Reels too and Facebook Reels. And then it's it's ended up going on YouTube Shorts and even LinkedIn, which is kind of completely opposing what I would normally say to do. But it's like, if I'm not going to be active there otherwise... I mean, that helped me build my brand in all those places. And it's honestly been really beneficial. So along those lines, though, in terms of like staying motivated, like you cannot be obsessed with the numbers. You can't. Because first of all, what hits on TikTok may not hit on YouTube or Reels or whatever, you know, and it's always kind of random. I mean, there, there was a period of like two months where I felt like a God on TikTok, like everything was just, you know, going crazy. Like, I, it's like, I'm not doing anything different. And then, you know, then I'll have like a few weeks where it's like nothing really happening. And you just can't worry about that. Right. I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, what was it about that I was doing that was wrong or, or right? Like, no, nah, it's just some stuff's just random sometimes. And if you're just chasing things like hooks and virality and stuff, you're probably gonna end up creating some bad content. Ultimately, is it going to be sustaining long-term? But I think that's also part of the matter of being consistent is you aren't obsessed with those things. You're obsessed with, I guess, obsessed is the right word, the things you can control. And for me, it was just, I'm publishing at least one video every day. So my entire routine is built around that. It's I don't batch because, quite frankly, I tried that and trying to record and edit and all that for seven videos or whatever it's going to be in one day is freaking exhausting. Mm-hmm. So instead, it's a matter of, you know, I keep a running list of topics, which you have to do if you're going to be doing recording one every day because you're going to run out of ideas. Yeah. And then as I go, okay, oh, I've got this idea that, you know, kind of planning, okay, th- these will be my next three. Then I script them out. And I've, I've got to the point too, where I know that about a thousand fifty characters is 60 seconds. I mean, it's almost oh, how about that? To the, it's almost to the character for the way I talk and edit, at least, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And so I also record in a way where it's like, I don't want you to think I'm reading because I'm not reading. I see my line, look back to the camera and then kind of retell it and trying to be as conversational and natural as possible and then go back and forth. And then I splice it all together. So point being is the in terms of timing and I don't batch, but I'm constantly thinking about how many videos do I have scheduled out? How many days do I have scheduled out? And like approaching the weekend, do I have the weekend taken care of? Because I'd really rather not be doing this stuff on the weekend. So that's really what motivates me. I have certain days, I obviously have more time than others. And I'm also thinking about that. So like if I'm going to be, you know, going on vacation, going on a trip or something, and like I'm not going to have time to do that. Well, guess what? I've got to record like five or 10 videos before we leave. That's a great motivator. Like, because I know it's going to happen because I'm going to publish these videos every day. It's just something I've committed to. So once you start worrying about the things that are within your control and you stop being obsessed with all this like short-term gain stuff, mm -hmm. it becomes kind of baked into your routine and what you do and what you expect as opposed to, can I get motivated to do this today? I didn't get any views yesterday. What well, I don't really want to do this today. I don't have time. Okay, you don't have time. You don't have to do it. And the other thing is like when, when I do it every day, I lose that excuse. Like once I take a day off, then it'd be like, oh, well, I took that other day off because of X. I don't need to do no, it. That's funny. Day. I do that with the gym. I was about <laughs> exactly. to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's accurate, right? So yeah. another thing, I, look, I'm a, I'm a creature of habit and uh, streaks. Streaks are what kind of keep me going. And one of the things I've started doing over the last eight years is run. And I've never been a runner before. And last year I ran 1200 miles. And the only nice. reason way I was able to do it is like track it like crazy as far as mm -hmm. how many I've run. And like, there was like a hundred days in a row where I ran and I didn't want to take it up, take a day off. And I only took a day off because I went on a trip with my family and I was like, Oh, I got to take a day off, you know, <laughs> and, like different things motivate different people. So right. you, Everyone has to kind of figure out what works for them. It's like maybe batching works for you. It just doesn't yeah. work for me, you know? Yeah. So short form video, you know, we're talking about like what you were saying, like minute videos, you know, minute 30 second videos. It's not a lot of time to tell a story. So my question is, how important is storytelling in short form video content, in your opinion? And then, you know, what are some key things to remember to effectively use storytelling in, you know, that very short amount of time that you have? You know, it really depends on your approach, your strategy, how much time you have, editing, how much editing you want to do, you mm -hmm. know, all that, right? Because yeah. technically, most of these, the other reason I went with one minute is because at the time, I was it was I was trying to make it work for every platform. Oh, um, right, yeah. So that what makes sense. could be, right? So you could technically do longer than that. But I think the other thing with being a minute, it's been really good for me. I am not concise naturally. Right? Okay, so whether yeah. it be written word or answering your question on a podcast. And this is what I did originally when I was recording these videos is I would have an idea and I'd hit record and just start talking. And then I'd have to try to edit it and then splice it together. And then mm -hmm. like, oh, it's just like I didn't need to say that. Because I already kind of said that there. I didn't say it the way I wanted to. So that's kind of why I ended up, you know, scripting it out. But the other reason I think a minute's really good for me is because I, I need ideas. And if I'm covering three ideas in one video, that makes the next day a lot harder as opposed to yeah. splitting it up. And I've got three different videos as opposed to one. I think it also gives, so it, it makes it easier too, because if, I, if I'm editing a three minute video, it makes it makes my life harder. But also it, it gives me an opportunity sometimes to say, hey, 
I also wrote a blog post about this. Yeah. Read more about it at, you know, chatlimber.com slash whatever. So whatever works for you, but I found that one minute is really, you know, I am experimenting with doing a mid form once a week that goes with the blog post. So, oh, that's cool. But it is a lot more work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's so it's a good segue to we hear TikTok is going to 30 minute format. And okay. so, you know, what are your initial thoughts? And like, do you think that long form video like that belongs on a platform that was originally actually built for six second videos? <laughs> right. <laughs> even a minute so much longer than the original. Right. <laughs> it's bananas. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Yeah. I wasn't even part of TikTok when it was short, short form. Right. But, you know, the thing is this, like, I do see people and there are people who I follow who all they do is turn it on and talk. And they might be talking about something for five, 10 minutes, right? And it works as long as you're able to remain engaging and interesting. But that's the challenge. And that's absolutely the challenge for me. Because like, that's what makes a five to 10 minute video so challenging for me is like, I know it's not going to be scripted. I mean, that's me crazy for five to 10. That's a lot of work too for a five to 10 minute video. So I'm going to have a lot of ums. I'm going to have a lot of pauses. I'm going to have a lot of times where I'm not really sure how I want to say something. And I'm not saying you can't do it. People can do it. But I think once you're talking about 30 minutes, you've never seen it on YouTube, right? Yeah. It's, you have other challenges because it's it's just a different approach. I know you can use AI to edit it and I've also found that can be really choppy. If like, oh, just take out all the pauses and ums and stuff. And then also it's like, uh, 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 you know, all the way through. <laughs> I think uh, it's easier uh, with audio only, but yeah, video, you're right. Yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, so look, it makes sense to a point. I mean, we've we've seen Instagram, they, they've moved to allowing up to 10 minute. Oh, I didn't know We'll, that. we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, so that's why one reason when I've been doing the mid form, I've been doing five to 10 minutes, like a, a cap at 10 minutes and they've been going all those places too. Yeah, I think we have an advantage because we have each other. Like she and I could talk forever about anything. Oh, it's different yeah. when you're interviewing someone than if you're just like talking to the camera yourself. Is that I'm curious on the TikTok thing, are they gonna have separate like channels? Like are you gonna get to choose whether you wanna go to the I wanna see the 30 minute ones, like like on YouTube, how shorts uh, are in a separate place? Uh, or do you know how that's gonna work? Jen, do you I mean, idea? at the moment you can already do 10 minute videos and that's mixed in with all the one minute videos. Oh, so oh, okay. I assume wow. it'll continue to be mixed together like that. TikTok is a much more simplified place than YouTube, right? So I can't imagine, I, I don't know, maybe they'll do it. Maybe they'll create a whole separate feed for it. But I mean, the for you is the for you. The for you is yeah. stuff yeah. that's all I mean, kinds of as a different formats. viewer, I would not maybe want to commit to do 30 minute video. Right. Like I'm going on there because I want like little bits of funny, yeah. whatever, little entertainment interesting. Bits. Yeah. Yeah. Teach me something yeah. quick or, yeah. Or make and me that's laugh. That's a challenge. <laughs> right. That's a challenge because I can tell you as a consumer, when I'm flipping through my feed, like the people who hit recording and it takes them a few seconds to start talking or whatever. I'm like, let's keep going. Yeah, right? pause. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of the way longer form is. So, I mean, unless it gets, you know, the algorithmically gets favored, which could happen, I can just see people ignoring a lot of the long form. I mean, unless you do a really good job of grabbing attention during that first minute or so, which is probably still gonna be critical, but yeah, it's just, a, sure. it's a different, completely different atmosphere, different format. So yeah, I guess we'll see. I'm not, I don't I think don't. I'm going to do it though. 
It's, I'm yeah, already staying yeah. away from TikTok. I can't remember the last time I logged into TikTok because it, because of the getting sucked in factor. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, I you found, know, I'm only I only look at the stuff from people I follow. Okay. Which oh, maybe that okay. makes it easier. Yeah, yeah I really suck down that. into the depths of it, you know. <laughs> You're oh, in North Sea TikTok now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. So we love to take a little brain break. Kind of teased this earlier this week. It's usually got to do with the holiday of the month or whatever's going on. And so our question this time is, what's your all-time favorite sports memory? Your favorite of all times. Jen, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll do that for sure. Because I thought about it earlier and, you know, we've won a couple of Super Bowls recently, and obviously that's going to be the favorite, but I would say my favorite one that we won was actually last year for a couple of reasons. First one, Megan not being mad. <laughs> <laughs> the second, we had a lot of family over and friends over that night and even friends that traveled from Kansas City to Wichita just to watch the game at our house. We have great friends. And so to share that kind of feeling with your family and your closest friends is just unbelievable. And so I would have to say last year was definitely as a community, even you know, I've been to Arrowhead. I love Arrowhead, but feeling that in my house with my with all the people I really, really love, that was my favorite sports moment for sure. I love it. That's awesome. John, what about you? This is a really tough question as someone yeah. with <laughs> Long yeah. sports really history is. in my, my yeah. life. I mean, the two Packers Super Bowls, obviously, at least that I was around for, pretty cool. Uh, I went to Brett Favre's first ever game uh, when he entered and Don Mikowski was hurt and he came in and led him back to win. That was pretty cool. Baseball-wise, you know, the Brewers winning 13 in a row in 1987 when I was a kid wow. and charting every single one of those. It was amazing. And that, you know, that was awesome. But I think that kind of combining those kind of things, plus my Coaching in baseball, the coolest thing is when I coached my youngest in a tournament that went against a team coached by Ben Sheets, who's an old brewer. So, <laughs> like, I grew up watching this guy. He's now coaching on the other side, and we kicked their butts, and he got nice. ejected. And he got <laughs> ejected. And I actually texted him afterwards about it and stuff, and it was super cool. So, that was that kind of wow. brought everything together in, in one little memory, I think. Ejected from a little league. Game. That's hilarious. I, I, That's really intense. funny. <laughs> no, I used to umpire Bobby Sox minors. And yeah. yeah, even back then, the parents were insane, insane. But I, yeah, yeah. that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So, yeah, this is really hard for me too, because I'm also a huge tennis fan and I've been to all four majors and I have my own personal Grand Slam. So, I You're watching part of me Australian wants Open right now? I am. Yeah. yeah. Which is totally disruptive to sleep situation. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that's another thing. Um, yeah, we watched last on night, in the yeah. middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but also when the Padres went to the World Series in 98, I went to the divisional championship, all three home games that we had in the National League Series. And I went to game four of the World Series wow. that we lost, though. So that was like still super magical and amazing. But I do have to say it was winning in 2020 winning the NFC championship against mm -hmm. the Packers at home because a I wasn't a season ticket holder when we had done any of the other good stuff and we had been really bad for like 
a while <laughs> for like seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. So it was super exciting. And we had no expectations. Like that was like a, we weren't supposed to win that game kind of a situation. Bosa was a rookie. And like, I hadn't even sat in my seat yet. I'm walking to my seat and I see him sack Rogers. And it was just like, like it was, it was, it was so magical. It was awesome. I'm also <laughs> super cranky and terrible at a Super Bowl when my team's not doing well. So, oh, sure. Like, I, I struggle with whether I should go to a party or not because I'm just like, oh, it's was... just, I'm just not, I'm just not good. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so thank you for indulging me with that. And I apologize um, that, John, it happens that my, my top one happens to be in spite of you. Yeah. Well, and of course, and, I, and, and of course I thought you were going to say 98. Which was another time where the 49ers, I think it was 98, where was that uh, last second touchdown in the end zone to Ter- Terrell Owens, oh. Steve Young to Terrell Owens. I wasn't and, there for that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more, <laughs> it's more special, like when you're there. Also, like those older years for me, that kind of blend together because I wasn't going to the games. Understood. Um, I've had a long storied rivalry with you guys, and it's just gone our way the last <sighs> few years. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, Jen, let's kick off the second half. Hopefully, John's not too mad. <laughs> you know, I'm going to shut down and storm off. <laughs> no, we have so much more value that we need to glean from his brain. So, all right, so back at it. So, as we all know, I'm quite familiar with the fact that social media platform algorithms change all the time. They change as often as the wind does in Kansas. And so keeping that in mind, how can we as marketers ensure that short-term videos reach and resonate with our target audience effectively? You worry more about your content, less about an algorithm. Because (laughs) seriously, if you're obsessed with an algorithm, you're going to be chasing it forever. And no one really even knows. No, they don't. It's just all guesses. And also, like you're, you're not creating unique content. You're creating stuff that supposedly is supposed to work and is going to reach the most people. The reality, all that matters is that you're creating content that your ideal audience cares about and finds interesting. So your job is to make it interesting and make it engaging, not because you think some algorithm will prefer it for a few days or weeks or whatever before it changes to something else. I mean, the only thing... When it comes to short form video, the only thing, the primary thing that's interest that's important is like those first few seconds. Now, that doesn't mean have some ridiculous hook about whatever you're going to say is illegal and should be outlawed in 50 states or whatever, you know. Like for me, I'm not a hard salesman at all. And I don't respond to that stuff either. The, the Like the really manipulative stuff is like, oh, wait till you get to the last one and you have no idea oh, what you're going to talk yeah. about kind of thing. And then you get there and they totally under deliver. And you're like, that was a waste yeah. of my time. Oh, I hate that. So I treat short form videos a lot the same way that I do blog posts and blog post titles. So kind of like I don't create clickbait for blog posts. It's very simple. What is this about? That's all it is. So in five seconds, video gets straight to what I'm about to talk about. You know, I don't say, hey, today I'm going to talk about it's just meta made a change to advanced campaign budget or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then get straight to it. That's all it is. But how everybody does it is up to you. But th- again, I think if you have that kind of simplistic look at, at it, it's way easier to create content. If you're trying to create content for your ideal audience and the way that makes you feel okay and not dirty, as opposed yeah. to chasing virality, chasing an algorithm, when in reality, that doesn't even necessarily help you, right? So right. my growth over that year when I was publishing every day 
was slow and steady to the point where like on YouTube, I almost gave up on YouTube because I thought like, no one's, no one's watching this. This is ridiculous. And then I realized by the end that every single month my views were going up and people were watching older videos too, not just the new yeah. ones. Yeah. So it's like, you don't necessarily need it to go anything to go viral. You probably don't even want it to go viral because going viral just means it's for broad consumption. Yeah. You're not for broad consumption. You're for your specific target audience who wants to potentially buy your stuff. That's a great point. So, yeah. I, you know, I found this slow, consistent growth and progress. And like when you look at progress, it's over time, not like, oh, mm -hmm. no, like I, I get fewer views this week than last week. I mean, just having that kind of outlook just makes the whole thing so much easier as opposed to worrying about some algorithm. Yeah, like, well, I love that. I, like, I was okay. just going to say, our show is a good example of that. Like, we in the last, say this is our seventh season, in the last three years have gotten half of our downloads. So, mm. or two years maybe have gotten half of our downloads. But we definitely are consistent with, with what we put out. But also, our downloads and our listens are consistent. We're not, like, stressing out about growing, although I would like more people to hear it. We're never going to yeah. be that big show that gets like major sponsors. And and I'm totally fine with that because I love our little show and I love I too. Um, the listeners that we have. And we have a good time with our part of it's for us, right? Like we're having a good time talking to mm -hmm. you. And we're learning from our guests. Yeah. So I think that comes through too, like that when you're doing it for the right reasons versus like you, like you said, when you're, you know, just big clickbait and just trying to trick people into buying something. I've talked to so many people who are like, yeah. oh, yeah, I bought this course and it didn't. Oh you know, so many people are just trying to start a business who buy courses that are like just a total waste of money. And it's it's yeah. really sad. Well, I, so sad. I think that's true for, for everything. Whether you're talking about courses and yeah, you have something manipulative to get people to buy and then get a bunch of unhappy people or a video or a blog post where it's like, yeah, you may go viral because you have this amazing hook that manipulated people to watch the end or read and click and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of long-term trust, I got to imagine it's not good. Right. Because for me, you know, I've followed some of these people who maybe got me on an initial hook uh, with a video. And then now that I'm following them, they're in my feed all the time. And every video starts kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And after a while, it's like, dude, this is exhausting. Like, I just, yeah. just tell me what this video is going to be about. Right? I know. <laughs> you know? Oh, and so... Know. That long again, it all depends on your strategy and your approach and your style. But I want long term customers, and sometimes that means it's going to take five, 10 years to get you to buy anything. And sometimes you might never buy something from me. But the main thing is, like, what I really don't want, honestly, is for people stumbling on my website for the first time and buying something with having never heard of me before. Because my guess is they're, they're probably most likely to be getting something that they're not expecting or, or whatever, right? As opposed to someone who, and this is what's happening now, which is great. Like, yeah, my videos don't go viral, but the people who sign up for something, who book a one-on-one, -on -one, who join my community and they're like, I, and they tell me, I did it because of your videos. I can feel like I know you. I mean, that mm -hmm. that kind of stuff is really powerful. It's important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and you're talking meta ads, which is, you know, it changes, like Jen said, with the wind. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, let's talk tools a little bit. Our listeners, I think, always like to have, having like tangible takeaways. And you, you talked, you've mentioned editing a lot. So I'm curious, are there any specific tools or apps that in the short-term video space that will, could help marketers in, in, or creating their content? Yeah, so it's the funny thing. I, people ask me all the time, like, oh, how, you know, what do you use to edit? How did you make that effect or whatever? And I'm always cautious about even saying it because I don't want people necessarily going out and buying what I do. 
because it may not work for you. I'm going to tell you, but I use ScreenFlow, but I've used ScreenFlow for probably 10, 11, maybe even 12 years at this point. So what I found was once I started getting a short form video, yeah, I experimented with Descript. I experimented with CapCut for editing. And this other, like, I did not like the way it edited because I was so used to editing in ScreenFlow and I know how it works, period. That's it. So if you already have edited in anything, I would start there, right? But, and not to overcomplicate it, like whatever editing software you have isn't going to magically make your video amazing. Right. It's, it's more about what is it that I'm trying to accomplish and can this tool help me accomplish that? And that's what I did with ScreenFlow. Like, I, I wish they would edit it or update the software and make it better for for short form video. It's really not made for it, oh, okay. but it's part of my routine now, right? It, right. And it works. So uh, to, to give you yeah. a full background on, on what <laughs> I do, I record with my iPhone and I, with the rear facing camera. And so for that to happen, so I, I put it up on, on a stand in, in front of me. I also mirror to my iPad so that I can see it because it's on my rear facing camera, right? Mm-hmm. right? So I can see that I'm centered and lined up and whatnot. I record the audio through ScreenFlow on my desktop and, you know, the the video on my phone. And then I export it to my laptop and match it all up so the audio is, is right. Okay. And then I do all my editing in ScreenFlow. I then export it to CapCut to do the captions because I really like the oh, captions. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, uh, yeah. And then I just uh, schedule it because I, I usually am at least a day or so out. I schedule to all the different locations. I also have a, a uh, custom post type on my website. So I now embed a, a version of it from YouTube on a custom post type on my website and then write a quick blog post. And that's uh, yeah, all part of my process. It's about an hour total from scripting through recording to editing now. Okay. Nice. So yeah, it definitely sounds like you have your own flow. And I, it's, I, I do too. And it's funny because I just talked to somebody who, you know, for podcasting, who is getting into podcasting and he's like, oh, no, no, I want it to be as seamless as possible. I want the editor to just go into the program that we recorded in and pull it from there. I don't want to have to download it and then mm-hmm. upload it to somewhere else and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But I've got my little routine down and, you know, I do all those things. So no, but that's good to hear. I, that, that goes back to to your, I think, to the beginning of like, to do what works for you. But also, I do know that there's there are people who just want it to be as seamless as possible. I personally, I can trim on the front and the back end, <laughs> and I can merge videos together. That's about the extent of my video prowess. Yeah. You know, so far, I haven't really needed to. But for me, when I recorded some of my, I have some videos on TikTok that I'm a one-shot person. I'm like, mm-hmm. boom, that that's good. I'm just going to book it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. um, but I also I script it and I put it I put the script right below the camera and so I'm like try to engage with the camera like I'm not reading. But yeah, good. So. That's that's a skill, right? I mean, that's cuz you don't want it to be like you're reading. And that's what I always right. fear like when people tell me, "Oh, you should use a teleprompter." I'm like, nah, "I don't I just I don't know if I could do that without looking like I'm reading." Right. Yeah. Well, we both, when we do our lives and everything, like we all, (laughs) we're basically reading, but we're also um, embellishing like what the question, what the written question is to try to set it up and whatever and to like not sound like we're reading. Sometimes we do better than others. (laughs) Sometimes for sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, if if you can just, if all your editing is front and back and, and you're able to do that well, where you can get a good message out there that's entertaining, like there's nothing better than that. 
because right. you can create so much video and just throw it out there. And that's honestly something I'm working on to try to do more of that and be okay with that. Because if I could create more than I'm even doing right now or spend less time than I'm doing right now, right. that would be that would be ideal. Yeah. Well, I did the flip of you. I had microblogs, Megan's Monday Musings, which um, I yeah. stopped doing. I'm going to start doing something else. And I was creating videos from what I had already written in my mm. Monday Musings. And so on the consistency front, not so much. <laughs> like Because I yeah. did, I think I did like six of them and then I'd be able Anyway, Jen, Jen, what you got? Okay, so striking a balance between, you know, you got your brand messaging, but then you also like, this is an outlet also for a lot of people for their creativity to really shine through. And so there's a lot of different ways to deliver a message or become episodic or, you know, just to establish your own presence on TikTok in a different way. So how do you think you come to strike the right balance to ensure your videos really align with your brand, but you're also, you're retaining, you know, your audience's attention, but you're also like keeping your message. I feel like it's almost kind of a juggling act because you want to be kind of entertaining. You want to, you know, you got to hook them, but at the same time, you got to retain their their attention. So you got to be kind of entertaining as well. Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's all a balance, right? Yep. So it's, it's, you know, what is your brand voice? What do people expect from you? What are your skills? What are you good at? Like, don't dance and stuff if that's not something you're comfortable right. doing or anybody wants to see. You know, if you're super creative and, you know, hey, this is something where maybe you, you've like written scripts, like uh, movie scripts or TV, TV shows or whatever. And like, hey, this is something I could turn into kind of like a scene like that's that's something you could probably do easily so a lot of it's just a matter of what you're comfortable with but also honestly without overthinking it because yeah in a lot of cases do you entertain do you educate i mean that's that's the main two things that you need to worry about and depending on your audience and and what they actually want from you like they may not want a joke yeah <laughs> you know yeah. so for me, I think that I try to keep it as simple as possible. Like, you know, my audience is somebody who needs, who wants to learn more about meta ads. So don't overthink this and try yeah. to make it funny or something. Like I might throw in a joke every once in a while, but it's like, that's not going to be my thing. <laughs> so the main thing is like, I, I wouldn't create a bottleneck for yourself feeling like, oh, I've got to do this huge production because people expect it, you know, to be like multiple scenes, multiple cameras, and like all, all this crazy stuff right. to get their attention. It, that It's not it at all. Like you can do the most simple type of production. And that's honestly what frustrates me sometimes. Like I'll see a video that has crazy engagement and all I did was turn it on and start talking for three minutes. Like they didn't even <laughs> add, they didn't edit anything. They didn't have yeah. good lighting, nothing. <laughs> But it's the message. It's the message half the time. So that's the main. I just I wouldn't overthink it. Be aware of just like the just the common building blocks. But yeah, yeah don't don't worry about it too much. And like, don't have your feelings hurt if you think something's going to take off and it doesn't. Because yeah. guarantee you're going to create something you think is garbage that a whole bunch of people are going <laughs> to watch too. So. It goes both ways. <laughs> it is. It can be kind of surprising. I did this one the other night that I did not edit it at all. The only thing I did was add captions to it. We were at a brewery 
And we're friends with the owner of the brewery. And Tim, my fiance, loves the Irish Red. The brewer has said he will not make a flagship no matter what. That's not the kind of brewery they are. And Tim gives him a hard time. So this week, they put the Irish Red back out on the tap after a couple of months. And <laughs> they call the the Irish Red the nun for Tim. <laughs> so, so what I did when we were in there the other night is I just I did a, a zoom in on the nun for Tim and then a zoom out over to Tim. Tim's asking the bartender for a nun for Tim and the bartender says no beer for you. And that was it. <laughs> then then I cut and then I added caption. And that thing is like it's performing way better than a lot of my other reels. I only put it on Instagram. I didn't put it on TikTok or anything. But I was like, why is this the one that I don't edit? And I definitely should have <laughs> done another take of it for sure. Why is this performing so well? I think it's just the organic hilarity of it. I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it's still going and I posted it on Wednesday. Well, exactly. and that that goes to the in-app ability, right? Like True. You, the yeah. editing that you can do if you create it inside of Reels or inside of TikTok gives you like some really interesting things that would be harder to do on your own, right, John? Correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And the other thing with like the in-app stuff, and, and I know that there's often talk about, hey, you should edit it within the app because then Instagram will favor it or TikTok will favor it or whatever. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know I if know. there's really proof of that. Um, but the other thing is like, if you do that, well, then that's only for Instagram or TikTok, which is fine. But just know that you shouldn't take that same video and necessarily put it on a different platform as well. I mean... It's just a lot of things that to think about that we could also overthink. Yep, for um, sure. Just record it. Have fun with it. Well, yeah. I appreciate you being on so much. And I honestly, for those who are listening on the pod, I have a Niners win background of me at the game last week and I'm wearing a Niners <laughs> gear. I had no idea he was a Packers fan. So <laughs> I might not have um, put the background up. I would not have gotten to those extremes. So thank you for indulging yeah. me and, you know. Better luck next time. I don't know. Well, look, you know what? You, you mentioned like when you you don't have expectations. Yeah. That, that was me with the yeah. Packers. Like this year is like, yeah, the Packers made the playoffs. That was I was not expecting that. And then they play the Cowboys, like, yeah, they're gonna get killed. They destroy them, and it was hilarious. And it was like <laughs> it was great really watching funny. It. You know, they looked like they're gonna beat the 49ers for three and a half quarters. Like, that's kind of crazy, but I wasn't really too bent out of shape because I didn't really expect them to win. So right. My yeah, my friend who's a Packers fan said he goes, because I watched the game against, and I said, you know what happened if you guys beat Dallas, you're going to the Bay. And he said, if we beat Dallas, my season will be complete. Exactly. <laughs> so that's all I really want this to do is beat the, the Cowboys. Super Bowl. <laughs> that was awesome. It was, it was, I mean, to see Jerry Jones all upset, you know, in, in his box, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was a huffing and puffing. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, thank you for being with us. I think this is really good. Lots of good um, little nuggets um, for our listeners. So thanks so much for being with us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Absolutely. And thank you, Miss Jen. Go Niners. Go Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> Best of luck to us. And to you. Yes. yes. <laughs> this weekend. By the time this airs, of course, it will oh, have no. passed. So we'll have to revisit on our next episode what exactly we we were our next live that we're recording and our ne actually we'll be recording live before we publish another episode. So yeah, this, yeah. this will be published even after the Super Bowl. So the next, but the live will be the Tuesday before, so we'll know. So <laughs> We'll see what happens. All right, friends, and also our listening friends out there. Thanks for indulging us on um, if you're not a sports fan on our football nerdiness. But this is how we roll. So, all right, y'all. This has been episode 142 of the Making Marketer podcast. <laughs>
and we will catch you next time.